Alright guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host Aaron Freeman and today we are reacting to the first day of the Atlanta Falcons kicking off their 2019 training camp. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years at FalcFans.com, on Twitter at FalcFans, and of course the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today we're going to talk about the first day of the Falcons training camp, talk a little bit about some of the injuries, talk a little bit about maybe some of the offensive line and position battles based off of, you know, who was getting work with the ones today uh, in practice. And then t- later in the episode, there was some leftover sort of uh, Q&A questions that I did not get to answer on yesterday's episode, but uh, I'll get to those later today. One of them's dealing with sort of how Cutter is going to use Calvin Ridley. One of them's dealing with the biggest question mark um, entering training camp, so we'll get to that now that training camp is upon us. But let's jump right into talking about the injuries, which is sort of the big takeaway from this first day of training camp. And I mentioned this on yesterday's episode. I know some of you are like, Aaron, you jinxed us. You know, I'm not a jinx. Yeah, I know it seems like I'm a, I'm a jinx, uh, particularly given the fact that the Falcons lost two players today on the first day of practice uh, to potential season-ending injuries. You know, whether or not Bennett can come back later in the season from his broken ankle injury, I guess, remains to be seen. But we know that J.J. Wilcox, based off of Ian Rappaport's report that he tore his ACL in his right knee, he is done for the year. And that's a significant blow to the Falcons' safety depth because we know that was an area that the Falcons had concern going into free agency and seemingly settled on J.J. Wilcox as the guy to sort of solve that problem, uh, be an upgrade over Jordan Richards, uh, be you know a better an upgrade over Sherrod Neesman, and, and, and seemingly not feel that you know if it was up to me, if I would have been consulting, I would have been like, hey, why don't you convert Brian Poole to sort of uh, solve your safety issues. But the Falcons, you know, liked J.J. Wilcox. Um, and while I had concerns about that signing and whether what his impact was going to be, uh, it's very clear that the Falcons have seen their depth diminish in there. And we saw in this first day of, of practice that he was getting some work with some three safety looks, with some big nickel looks, and seemingly that the Falcons might have been looking at him as sort of a dime sort of safety or big nickel and if, uh, you know, if they don't have that same level of confidence in Sherrod Neesman filling that role, I don't know where they're else are going to get that. So that's going to be a void for the Falcons uh, that they're going to have to address. So, uh, you know, the other major injury was Michael Bennett, uh, the D-tackle, um, who is, broke his ankle. According to Ian Rappaport, broke his ankle and uh, he is out indefinitely. Yeah, the, you know, those are two big blows to the Falcons defense, particularly because those guys could have potentially carved out significant roles in terms of their depth with Bennett up front on their defensive line rotation with Wilcox sort of being their insurance policy at safety with Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal coming back from injury. You know, guys are going to have to step up and they have some options currently on on the roster that could step up. We'll talk about that a little bit. I, I should want to mention that as far as we know, Sean Bain, the wide receiver and Brian Hill also may have missed some practice time due to some undisclosed injuries, doesn't seem like they're sort of as severe as the Wilcox and or potentially as severe as the Wilcox and Bennett injuries are, but we'll sort of have to wait and see if we get an update about those guys tomorrow or today as you guys are listening to this on Tuesday. 
safety one is an interesting one because with Wilcox, um, that was a roster move that I, I didn't quite get why the Falcons opted for J.J. Wilcox rather than keeping Jordan Richards, rather than keeping Brian Poole, rather than rolling with uh, Sherrod Neesman at that safety position. Um, and I, I hope that this injury for Wilcox is not a serious one because it leaves concerns as far as your safety depth. Again, I think Neesman can handle the strong safety spot, um, but it did seem like the Falcons may want to deploy a little bit more big nickel. I know they sort of consider Casey to be a safety at this point, you know, and, and sort of technically three safety looks include Casey's playing regular role in, in the nickel. But I think in terms of we saw Wilcox get some reps on this first day with the ones in terms of the Falcons utilizing that big nickel with the three safeties instead of the three cornerbacks like you normally use on a regular nickel uh, defense. And, um, you know, for me, at least my money, I think Brian Poole would have been a better fit in that role. But, you know, that's neither here nor there uh, at this point in time. He's he's in New York. Uh, Godspeed to him, but uh, we'll we'll have to sort of see how the Falcons, if want to have him sort of be their number three safety beyond Demonte Casey, and do they trust Sherrod Neesman? The indications are maybe not. Um, so does that open up a, a potential hole, or does that open up an opportunity for someone like a Chris Cooper? Uh, to sort of step in and, and solidify our spot. We'll have to sort of see. With Michael Bennett, he was in the mix in the D-line rotation. I think had a better chance than maybe some people thought, or at least you know some people seem to have be thinking post-injury uh, of potentially making the roster just because when you look at this Falcons D-line, we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, on the D-line preview, the Falcons don't really have a, a bona fide three technique to play in their base defense right now. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you could get Grady Jarrett to do it, but what happens if Grady Jarrett gets nicked up and misses a game? Who's, who's your next option? Is it Jack Crawford? Okay, but Jack Crawford hasn't really played D-tackle in the base defense ever before in his NFL career. So maybe he can do it, but we just, you know, over six, seven years of him being in the NFL, he's just never done it. So, you know, that's a little bit of a, a leap uh, of an assumption to think that he, he can and will do that ably. And, uh, you know, Hageman, that really wasn't, what Hageman really excelled at when he was here previously in Atlanta to the point that the Falcons were moving him, you know, that was kind of what they, in, in, not initially, but they moved him there and it didn't necessarily work out. And then, you know, Deidre Sinat and Tyler Davidson are sort of naturally one text that nose tackle position. And they've talked about sort of maybe Sinat getting an opportunity to prove himself to show a little bit more versatility. And of those two, I think Sinat probably has the better skill set to play a three technique, but I don't think that's really his ideal role in this scheme. And so a guy like Bennett, who is a natural three technique in this defense that does have some experience dating from last year, those two games against Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, where he played reasonably well in both of those games as a three tech, you know, it made a lot of sense that, and I talked about this before, like with Hageman, Coming go, going on a suspension, a two-game suspension, if Bennett was to play well this summer, then he would get an opportunity that the Falcons may decide, you know what, we're going to part ways with Rasheed Hageman because we want to get the, you know, we're not going to get these first two games of the season, we're not going to get anything from Rasheed Hageman due to his suspension, and we might get something from Michael Bennett in that regard. So I do think a good summer Bennett could have made the roster. I wasn't necessarily predicting him to make the team. Uh, he wouldn't have been on my final 53-man roster prediction. But I do think he had a chance to make the team. And so that's going to open up a potential void for the Falcons. And this is where a player like Alan Bailey comes in 
where I've talked about before, where to me, the ideal role for Alan Bailey in this Falcons D line rotation is not as a D end, it's as a three technique defensive tackle. That's really sort of where he has done his best work over recent years in Kansas City. Um, and so that may be an option that the Falcons are going to continue to explore. Now they could also continue with the Crawford, Sanat, Hageman, Justin Zimmer pathway and give those guys an opportunity to see if they can be sort of that next man up uh, to fill that void or to take advantage of whatever void you think Michael Bennett uh, potentially uh, is, is sort of leaving for the team. But we'll, we'll have to sort of see where the Falcons, you know, depth is a little bit of a concern in my opinion for this team. And obviously these injuries aren't helping matters right now uh, with sort of undermining their depth um, at this point. So we'll have to sort of see if the, if what the Falcons plan to do as the Falcons look to sort of, you know, fill these holes and, 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 and have other guys step up and, and, and whether they can sort of step up and, and fill that void. So we'll come back, talk a little bit about sort of the uh, competition on the offensive line um, with, you know, certain rookies getting first team versus second team reps in just a moment. But uh I want to let you guys know that if your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ad should be running right here on this Locked On Falcons podcast. To get your company connected with this audience, email us at LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com or email Locked at LockedOnPodcast.com to get further details about increasing your business. Look, the offseason is finally over, and the offseason is all about enhancing your performance on the field through practices. But guess what, guys? You can enhance your performance and gain a little extra confidence in the bedroom by checking out BlueChew.com. That's blue, just like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they'll work up to twice as fast as any pill. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since it's prepared and shipped direct, it's cheaper than any pharmacy. Right now, take advantage of this special offer by visiting BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. So we're looking at the offensive line um, competition, which is a big one, one of the few areas of this roster where potential starting spots are up for grabs. And, uh, you know, we, we got it, or at least for me, it was a mild surprise. Uh, you know, Chris Lindstrom got the work with the ones coming out of the gates at that right guard position. We saw uh, Ty Sambrello at right tackle, James Carpenter at left guard as sort of the predominant starting unit. We did get to see Caleb McGarry and Jamal Brown get some work with the ones today. Brown did get some work at the left guard position in addition to being Lindstrom's primary backup at that right guard position. Um, but, you know, that's sort of the one of that five-man starting unit. The one surprise I thought was Lindstrom getting the right guard, even though we've talked about, we've sort of taken as a foregone conclusion that by the time we got to the regular season, Lindstrom would be the starter. The expectation, at least for me, was that at least on day one, Jamon Brown would get those starting reps just because of the veteran experience that he has. Um, and then, you know, as a week developed, we would start to see Lindstrom maybe get more opportunities to prove himself in that regard. So 
that's going to be, uh, you know, that was a little bit of an interesting wrinkle that, you know, Lindstrom's already there. And, and you know, look, you're not going to hear me complain about that. You know, if he's ready, then let's let's see what he could do. Um, you know, that's the plan. That's a long-term plan. That's where, the, you know, the money's going to be made um, in, in terms of uh, impacting this offensive line. If, if Chris Lindstrom is, is good, that's going to have predominantly a, a much bigger impact for this team, not only this season, but long-term um offensively and on their offensive line than any of these other sort of veteran players stepping up to the plate and filling a bold void in in my opinion um so we'll have to sort of see how these guys work out moving forward um again you know with Sam Brelo versus McGarry who as you regular listeners of this podcast know I have a very vested interest in one of those players winning this competition um I figured it would be a little bit slower going uh, for those guys, so we'll, we'll have to sort of see if and when. You know, I think really it's going to be probably the first week or two. My again, my guess is I don't know. My guess is that we'll see predominantly Sam Brelo get most of the starting work at right tackle for this first week. Maybe second week, maybe McGarry can sort of close the gap a little bit. But really, I think that first preseason game is really McGarry's first opportunity to really sort of push things forward uh, when they actually get on the field. Uh, potentially to uh, make an opportunity. I thought it was interesting that Dan Quinn talked sort of about that in his post-practice press conference, how sort of the, because the Falcons have an extra preseason game, the first game and the fourth game is really a great opportunity for these rookies and some of these young players um, to really showcase their skills because, you know, typically we know in the fourth preseason, the preseason game, you know, it's all all the guys that generally speaking aren't going to make the roster, but they're fighting for a practice squad spot are playing and it's probably going to be the same thing in the first game just again judging off of how Dan Quinn discussed it uh where we we might see a little bit of the starters in that first game but probably not a whole lot of them so it's really an opportunity for a lot of the guys that are unproven to potentially prove themselves and and again based off of Quinn's post practice comments that seemed like this is going to be the case the only other thing that really stood out to me was, uh, you know, we did see Olamaze Zacchaeus get some reps in the return game, not initially uh, in practice. Uh, I wonder if that's a little bit related to the Sean Bain injury. Uh, so, um, but, you know, if, if Zacchaeus can sort of, you know, if he gets some opportunities to return some kicks and punts this year, again, I think it's it's really Marcus Green's job to lose and, and Kenyon Barner in a close second sort of battle. So it would it would be an upset if one of those two players is not the team's return specialist uh, come week one. But if Zacchaeus can showcase some skills there in addition to what he can do on offense, that's going to help his regard uh, potentially making this roster as a sixth and or seventh wide receiver on this team. So um, we will wrap up today by talking, answering some listener questions and uh but before we get there, I do want to let you guys know that on the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, you can find a daily podcast devoted to all 30 NBA teams, including the Lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland. Find that on whatever podcast platform you listen to this podcast, whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Himalaya Podcast app. And you can also tell uh, your smart device when you get in your car, when you're driving to or from work or around town, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hawks, and Brad will be right there with you for the drive. So uh, let's wrap things up by answering a couple of listener questions. You know, a couple of knuckleheads out there got their questions in a little bit too late before I recorded on Sunday. 
Just kidding, of course. Uh, we get our first question comes from Young Zach. He asks, "Do you think Cutter will use Ridley similar to how Josh McDaniels uses Julian Edelman, i.e., pre-snap motion?" Um, I don't know exactly what you're referring to, Zach, in terms of how McDaniels uses Edelman. I haven't necessarily. I don't have a keen grasp to how um, the Patriots' offense. I know Edelman is used in motion uh, quite a bit, but is he? used in motion like more than say the average slot receiver, the average wide out, you know, outside wide receiver. I don't, I don't know about that. So if you're referring to something specifically in terms of Edelman's usage, I don't know. As far as is Ridley going to be used in motion? Sure. Um, you know, that's one of the benefits of being the Y or Z wide receiver, the Y in this case being the slot guy, the Z being the flanker, uh, the X wide receiver typically also called the split end. Uh, if you're, if you're old school like me, um, the X wide receiver can't go in motion because of the fact that he's lined up on the line of scrimmage and then sort of, you know, an illegal motion penalty and whatnot. So you can use the Y and the Z to go in motion as pre-snap players. And so, cause Ridley is basically the Z wide receiver when the Falcons go to their three Y with Sanu being as that Y, or at least that's the, that's how the Falcons have used it. Maybe Cutter will switch it up uh, a little bit more and maybe use Ridley a little bit more in the slot than, uh, Sanu has been, um, utilize over the last you know three plus years um so you know really will be utilized in motion but if you're talking about sort of if if edelman is used especially a lot in motion i don't know if we're gonna see that but uh i don't know um our next question comes from fan since 1988 on twitter he asks biggest question going into camp my biggest question is the secondary two out of the three starting core are gone with the position change cornerback starting along with a pretty green second year guy in the starting safety duo coming off major injury. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think, I, you know, I think the secondary is a pretty big concern for me as well. Um, you know, I've, I've sort of done a complete 180 from a year ago at this time last year, I was all about, you know, this team is going to be as good as the pass rush allows their defense is going to be as good as the pass rush allows it. And, but the reason why I've done a 180 is because at this time last year, as many of you may recall, I was, you know, that person that was out there saying that I think the Falcons have the best secondary in the league once you get, when you look at their top seven or eight guys. Um, and so I didn't really have any questions about the secondary. I thought it was a, a hashtag elite secondary. And so the real question marks was whether or not Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley and, and Grady Jarrett and these guys would step up in major ways. And this time last year, that was a major question. I think Tack did step up. I think Jarrett did step up. Obviously, Beasley did not. But, you know, you now look at this now and when you add in Claiborne and whatnot and with Crawford sort of stepping up as well, I don't have as many questions about the, the Falcons pass rush and, and or their defensive line this year. You add Davidson as well to beef up the run defense. I think there's a lot less questions about this defensive line heading into this year's training camp than there was a year ago. And I look at the secondary in contrast to that. And then to me, there are a lot more questions there. So I agree with you um, when you have Oliver and Casey, who are basically brand new to their roles. And while we've seen flashes of their potential there, we don't know how they're going to hold up for 16 games in these new roles. They're unproven there. You also have Allen and Neal coming off an injury, thankfully. They were ready to go full go in practice today. So that's a positive sign for both of those guys coming back off of their injuries. But you don't know whether or not they're going to pick up where they left off. I mean, history tells us that given Allen's injury, uh, generally speaking, we we kind of, I guess what we do know is, 
generally speaking, that you don't pick up where you left off. It takes the better part of a season uh, before you can come back from an Achilles tear. You know, and then you look at Desmond Trufant, who, again, I'm a pro-Trufant guy. Um, but, you know, at some point, you know, he could start to slide and, and make a significant decline like we saw with Robert Alford last year. Uh, although, again, I will say that, that I think that a lot of that had to do with Alford playing hurt from a large portion of last season. Um, but, you know, you, you can legitimately raise questions about five members of this Falcon secondary. And then, especially now, it, given the injury to Wilcox, you don't really know how good the Falcons depth is. You have Kendall Sheffield, you know, a rookie, Jordan Miller, a rookie, um, sort of as your options. Like the the most known commodity right now in the Falcons secondary is arguably um Leedy Ray Wilson and and Sherrod Neesman, two players that aren't necessarily locks to make the team, you know? So like I, I, I agree with you on that. And again, I don't want anybody to interpret this. Aaron's, you know, saying Coverage matters more than passion. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm just talking strictly about what I know, or at least what I believe I know about these players when I'm evaluating these guys and what how they can perform this year. And I look at the, the defensive line as a much more known commodity. I look at the secondary as a very relatively unknown commodity. You know, if we're looking at the offense, the offensive line would be the answer to this question in terms of what do I know? I, I know what Devontae Freeman is when he's healthy. I know what Matt Ryan is. I know what Julio Jones. I know what Hooper is and whatnot. I, you know, and it, we'll have to sort of see what Hooper is in the cutter offense. But for the most part, I kind of know exactly what most of this offense is. I don't know about some of these offensive linemen. I don't know if Alex Mack's going to be the Alex Mack we've gotten grown accustomed to the last three seasons. I don't know if James Carpenter is going to pick up where he was in New York, where he was playing next to a, a Hall of Famer and Nick Mangold. Uh, like he is now in Atlanta with Alex Mack, or is he going to play like he's played the last two seasons against some low level, uh, alongside some low level centers, uh, like he did in New York or in what Lindstrom is, what McGarry is, what Sam Brillo is, what Brown is. I don't know those things with the, the Falcons often. So, you know, there's some questions here. And I think, you know, for me, the secondary is a big question for the defense and looking at this defense as a whole, when we're talking about whether or not they're going to reach their full potential, again, I've done a 180 where it's like, to me, it's all about the back seven. It's all about the secondary. It's all about the linebacker group. Like, again, I know Deion Jones is a really good player, but am I going to get to see peak Deion Jones for the majority of the season? Or am I going to see what we saw in 2017, which was only like a third of the season uh, at his playing his peak? Am I, what are Ola Kuhn and Campbell going to do? Is Campbell going to be bounced back and, and improve as a run defender, improve in his ability to cover running backs? Is he going to regress a little bit in his ability to cover tight ends? Uh, what is Olakun going to do as far as his ability to cover and do all of those things that Campbell's going to be asked to do as well? So those are questions right now. And if all those guys live up, the linebackers, the secondary live up to their potential, then I think you can legitimately start at least selling optimism and hope and whatnot for this defense reaching its ceiling, whether you think that's a team that has top 10 potential or top 15 potential, whatever you think it is. Um, if you believe all those things or the majority of those things wind up happening, like with Oliver, I've compared it to William Jackson, who missed his rookie season in Cincinnati back in 2016 with an injury and then came out in 2017 and based off of like pro football focus grades was like a top five corner that year. And whether or not Isaiah Oliver is that good remains to be seen. But like if we're not at the end of the season talking about him, whether it's a top five or a top 20 corner, but if we're not having a conversation about Isaiah Oliver, you know, arguably being, you know, the better corner on this team over a guy like Desmond Trufant, then, you know, I don't necessarily know if that's, 
you know, without that sort of scenario happening, are we going to see this Falcons defense reach the heights that we all think it's capable of? If DeMonte Casey, again, he doesn't have to be Chris Harris or anything as far as a nickel corner goes, but if he's not like on a Nickel Roby Coleman sort of level um, in terms of being a solid, good nickel corner that can go toe-to-toe with the Adam Thielens and the Nelson Aguilors and the Adam Humphreys and the Kiki Kutis and the Larry Fitzgeralds and, and, and the T.Y. Hiltons and all these slot receivers that he's going to have to face this year and, go and again, not shut those guys down but go toe-to-toe with them to the point where we're not looking at those matchups and being like, oh, okay, this, is a, this could be a problem like we were a year ago with Brian Poole against certain matchups uh, in that slot. So if we're not having those conversations at, by the end of this year, then I don't necessarily know if this Falcons defense is going to live up to his full potential. So I, I do think if we're, we're going to sit here and say whether, you know, whether you believe pass rush versus coverage matters more or whatever, uh, which is, again, a debate that no one really has an answer to, data suggests, you know, either way. But, like, if we're not having a conversation at the end of this year that this Falcons coverage lived up, depending on whether you think that's living up to their expectations or exceeding their expectations, if we're not talking about this Falcons secondary being among the best secondaries in the league by the end of the season, then I don't think this Falcons defense is going to live up to at least some of the hype that I've been hearing from some corners of the fan base and, and some, well, not really the media. I, don't, I haven't necessarily been hearing that much this season like we were a year ago, but um, you know what I'm talking about. So, We'll have to see. So to answer your question, yeah, I think the secondary is a big question mark going into the camp. Now, what I've also mentioned as a question mark going into camp is sort of what their D-line rotation is going to look like. Because, again, I don't know if they have a three technique. I don't know if they have a Leo. I don't know if they have an edge guy. So I think from a roster standpoint, I do have concerns about this D-line group. But in terms of what the current guys that we currently have can bring on the field, I don't have as many questions up front particularly from the main guys, as I do um, with the secondary, with some of the main guys there. So we'll have to sort of see how how that winds up playing out this uh, summer. But um, yeah, I appreciate you guys for tuning in for another episode of the Lockdown Falcons podcast, a podcast that you can find on a variety of podcast platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, as well as the new Himalaya Podcast app. And of course, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Falcons. And I'll be right there with you for the drive. Uh, Hopefully we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about training camp and what's going on. Uh, Get an update on J.J. Wilcox and and any other things uh, that come up um, moving forward. But, uh, yeah, uh, should be back every day this week. Hopefully we'll get some guests later in the week to sort of get their thoughts on maybe the first couple of days of training camp. Or maybe to give their own thoughts on maybe the big questions heading into this summer and or this season as well. So look forward to that, guys. Until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.